The Daily Rios for Thursday, October 18th, 2012. It's review time again. Hey everyone, this is Peter. As Marvel continues to rebrand and reignite their line, I'm going to continue my Marvel Now reviews. And this week gave us the Marvel Now Point One one shot. Six short bursts of titles coming up in the near future. They usually come across as great starting points, these kind of one-shots, either for a new story direction with a publisher, which is what we got with DC's Countdown one-shot from the early 2000s, or it spotlights a certain corner of the universe, like Marvel did with the X-Men Endangered Species one-shot. And then there are other times when these one-shots are nothing more than small teases, into a slew of new upcoming comics that a company wants you to buy. Like Marvel Now, point one. See, this is the problem with classifying your information when it comes to solicits. I assumed the book was going to be about setting up the new status quo for for the Marvel Universe, for this whole Marvel Now branding. It made me curious as to why they didn't release it first, before Uncanny Avengers number one. And now it looks like, you know what, Marvel obviously knew what they were doing. Had they released this issue first, the excitement for Marvel now would have been squashed or at least questioned. Not that Uncanny Avengers is a runaway hit, just that this book is clearly one of those, hey, buy these books, one shot. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. It could have been cheaper. But still, Marvel is in the business to sell comics. My overall feeling, walking away from having read this, is, eh, didn't exactly stoke my fire. The one-shot spotlights six titles, as I said. Uh, The framing sequence for the entire narrative is for Secret Avengers by Nick Spencer and Luke Ross, which is due out in February. And then the five short stories are for Guardians of the Galaxy by Brian Michael Bendis and Steve McNiven, Nova by Jeff Loeb and Ed McGuinness. Both both of those titles are due out in February as well. Then there's Young Avengers, which is due out in January by the team of Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey with Mike Norton. FF, featuring Ant-Man with uh, Matt Fraction and Mike Allred, due out in November. And lastly, Cable and X-Force, due in December by Dennis Hopeless and Gabriel Hernandez-Walta. All of these titles, even before I read this one-shot, were going to get a one- to three-issue tryout for me to play along with the reboot and to give my opinions now that I have a podcast in a way that I didn't do with the DC New 52 relaunch since I was out of the podcasting game at that time. Now, had I not put that rule or that policy in place, after reading this one-shot, This is kind of how everything broke down with these six titles. I would be reading one of those titles, definitely, two of those books, possibly, one with reservation, and two, probably not at all. So let's go ahead and break all this down. Uh, I'm not going to be talking too in-depth with actually what happened story to story, There aren't a lot of spoilers to be had. These are really just uh, previews more than anything. And I don't mean previews in the sense that they're showing you what's going to happen in the the first issues of these books when they are released. At least I hope they're not doing that. 
these feel like these are new stories created just for this one shot, but they're, they're, it's not really anything too major. So the definite, the book that I would definitely get, Guardians of the Galaxy. I really like space opera comics. I've read a few Star-Lord stories prior to Keith Giffen giving him a new voice uh, during Giffen's brief Thanos run, years before Annihilation ever hit. I liked Annihilation. I liked what they were doing with Marvel Cosmic for a number of years, and I like Peter Quill. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's because he has my name. So I'm there with this book. The creative team had no real bearing on the decision. Although, I do have to say, I'm liking the Steve McNiven by way of Gary Frank art. I'm not sure if it's John Dell's inking that's keeping it from getting too line heavy, but it's good. I guess I'm used to seeing Steve McNiven with Dexter Vines, and John Dell really kind of smooths him out a little bit. Uh, the lines are thinner. The photo referencing, if he's still using that, isn't as strong. So I, I, I did. I really did like the artwork. It's good. It's not instantly recognizable, and I, and that's kind of a, a good thing. The story is a definite tease. It, it features a little bit about Peter's origin on Earth in Wisconsin 20 years ago. His home is invaded by aliens. There's a mother who seems to know the truth about his origins, his alien origins, and it leaves you with not much more than that. So this that chapter sold me without having to really sell me. The two possibles, Secret Avengers and FF. Secret Avengers, I'll give Nick Spencer a try, but I have to say that his non-Morning Glories stuff, particularly his Marvel stuff, hasn't been all that interesting. His Iron Man 2.0, yikes. I read two issues, that, two issues of that, and I was out. So I put this as a possible to see if it has any larger ramifications in the larger Avengers universe if it's treated and starts to feel like a side title that can basically be ignored, then I will. Now, in this sequence, uh, this whole framing sequence that ran throughout the entire book, a visitor from the future talks all cryptically about the future of the Marvel Universe, and he seems to know something about the new Nick Fury, uh, and doesn't really give much more infor information beyond that. Definitely not nothing as interesting as that uh, timeline board that was found in Avengers. I think it was either Kang or Immortus who wrote it. And there was this whole timeline of events that Marvel was going through. And, and that was, you know, it was cool. It was a ripoff of the whole uh, 52 chalkboard thing that Rip Hunter used to do. So the, the only tease that was given here was you don't know what's waiting for you up in the stars. Probably a Thanos reference. Maybe not. Not sure. Again, I don't think the story itself teased me to get the book. I probably was going to get it anyway because of Nick Spencer and just because I wanted to try it out. So the other one, FF, uh, Matt Fraction, Mike Allred. Uh, not so much from this story. Again, I'll be picking it up probably for the potential zaniness. <laughs> the high concepts that Matt Fraction has potential to write the wackiness that is the Mike Allred art. This story felt very similar to the first time we met Ryan Choi in DC's Brave New World one-shot, which was very similar to this Marvel Now Point One one-shot, where it had all these stories that really all their purpose was was to sell you on the upcoming series or miniseries, Trials of Shazam, Creeper, The All-New Adam, etc. 
uh, in that DC book, Ryan Choi was flying around on a new device and he was spouting atom facts and he was, it was fun, it was silly as any. And this read exactly like that. The premise for the new FF book feels just different enough, different enough that I, I kind of want to read it, but it could burn out quickly for me if there are too many art fill-ins or if it just doesn't live up to Fraction's potential to be way out there. So it's on the possible list for me. All right, the one with reservations would be the Nova series. I didn't care for this little snippet at all. It's fun, it's silly, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It introduces you to the new Nova. I'm not sure if we've seen him before this. Uh, I do like the McGinnis art. I actually like the Loeb and McGinnis pairing, uh, you know, their, their, their collaboration. If, if this new Nova series is Superman-Batman levels, I'm there. Or even Red Hulk level. I, I could stick with it. If not, I don't, think I'll, I don't think I'll stay with it. I don't know if the new character holds enough interest for me. The one thing I did like about this, ish, this little chapter, it's a silly battle between Nova, the new Nova, and Diamond Head, which is actually a character that... Uh, fought the original Nova way back in his original series back in the 70s, I want to say, late 70s. And I had a few of those issues in my uncle's collection, in the collection that he gave to me that I inherited from him. And I say inherited like it was really valuable. It wasn't invalu It wasn't valuable at all. They were all in a beer box. <laughs> Half of them didn't have the covers because they were from farmer's markets. So, But they were certainly valuable to me. And I remember reading a Nova issue, a few Nova issues, one of them with the Sphinx and another one with Diamond Head. And I remember the Carmine Infantino art and also the Sal Buscema art. So uh, that was kind of nice to see him. And there's an obvious connection there. Uh, well, maybe, maybe not obvious, but there is a connection there for longtime readers. So the series itself, yes, you know, I, I guess I just have to wait to see to read that. It didn't really sell me, though. And then the two books that, had I not put that policy in place, I'm not sure if I would have picked up Young Avengers and Cable and X-Force. What I read here, eh, yeah, I doesn't feel like anything new. Uh, I don't know. There's a new Miss America from the Vengeance miniseries, and apparently she's uh, a Latina. Uh, so, I don't know. And there's a Crazy Forge, and Cable is back. Okay, I... I can't really say much more about those two chapters. So that would be one potential, one, I'm sorry, one definite that I will definitely get. Uh, that's not a great percentage. I can, again, I see why they didn't release this right away. And apparently, looking ahead to the release schedule in the upcoming weeks, I guess I'm not going to be doing reviews next week for any Marvel now. I don't think they're putting out anything next week. I could be wrong. So I'll probably have to wait till November to jump back in again. Now, I did notice a trend with the titles that they did want to spotlight with this issue. Guardians of the Galaxy, the new non-Ultimate Universe version of a Black Nick Fury, Agent Coulson, using Agent Coulson, using Maria Hill, using some type of Avengers, using Ant-Man... Obviously, they're pushing that Marvel movie universe in this whole thing. I mean, they're really pushing it. And another little cute or not cute, depending on if you if you like this kind of thing, 
if you read this issue, look for the Superman cameo. So Marvel, now point one, one shot. Not going to go down as one of my favorite of these types of books. Let me know what you think out there if you've read it. Do you recognize that music? That is from the movie Alien, 1979, Ridley Scott. Just saw it for the first time in completion Wednesday night with my pretty girl. I'm doing this because I'm trying to watch all the Alien movies on my way to Prometheus. And I put this out on my Twitter and a lot of people said, hey... All you need to do is watch Alien and Aliens. Other people say you don't have to watch any of them. I, I know. I get that. I, again, this whole thing about me liking uh, continuity, and I don't mean history. I don't mean the history that the movies are creating. I mean continuity of, of a franchise, the movies coming out, the different movies, what they did do with them. Uh, you know, I want to watch it all, and who knows? Maybe it'll make me appreciate Prometheus even more when I have to watch uh, Aliens vs. Predators, right? You know, I saw the first one. I didn't see the second one of that. But anyway, so I saw the Alien movie. I've seen Aliens before. I saw it in the movie theater, actually, when it came out, and it felt like a whole new way to do action movies. But I've never seen Alien all the way through, just tiny, tiny scenes here and there, and I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, well done for a movie in 1979 when this whole space opera stuff, cosmic stuff was going on, was so new to the movie universe. I, I jumped, we both did, at several points. And good acting, great acting, actually. Just some very great acting. And little loving tributes, whether they were intentional or not, to previous space opera cosmic sci-fi movies, definitely 2001. A tiny, tiny bit to Star Wars. Uh, but 2001 really felt like this movie was was paying loving tribute. I'm not saying rip-off. I'm not saying even homaging. Just, just little tiny connections in the way certain things were shot, in the way some of the ship design felt, in how they treated what it is like to live in space. Things like that. That's the kind of stuff that I mean. Again, it's... A, I'm not saying it is, I'm just saying that's what it felt like uh, since I've seen 2001 and I've never seen Alien before. So I'm looking forward to it. Now, the reason I bring this up, oddly enough, is because on Facebook, Comic Break, which is a, an online store, comicbreak.com, that offers new books and older books at a discount, and they have, do have a dollar section, and they, they have some great deals over there. They do this thing in San Antonio, Texas, where they show a movie for free. And the movie they're showing is Alien. And it's going to be at the Alamo Draft House, Stone Oak, in uh, San Antonio, Texas. 22806 U.S. Highway 281 North, I believe it is. Admission is totally free. All you got to do is stop into the box office and pick up your ticket. And you can look for Comic Break on Facebook if you want more information. It's this Sunday, October 21st, 
at 6 p.m. and they're going to show the Alien movie for free. That's awesome. That's just, I think that's really cool. So if you're in the area, check it out. As I said, next week, no Marvel now. So I'm free and clear to do whatever I want next week. Reviews or something else, we shall see. If you want to get a hold of me, it's peter at thedailyreels.com or you can leave a comment on the website and you can subscribe through iTunes and leave a review. That's it for today's episode. I will see you tomorrow for Feedback Friday.